welcome to what are we called <laughs> Big Business Briefs. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Big Business Briefs with me, Heather Noble, and me, Tracy Jones. And this week we thought we'd take a look at uh, the subject of to pay or not to pay. Mm. Because, Heather, that is the question. Yes, isn't it? It's been in the news quite a bit recently. And just this week, I think Morrison's confirmed that they're following the lead of IKEA and Next. um, And they're not going to be paying staff who are self-isolating if they've been unvaccinated. I forgot that one right. If they've not been vaccinated. I don't think you could be unvaccinated. Yes, sorry. Take it out of me at once. Oh, sorry. We're having yeah. one of those days, aren't we? Heather forgot what the business, what the podcast was called at the start of the show, and and I can't get my words out straight. So yes, sorry. Morrison's have confirmed this week that they're cutting COVID sick pay for unvaccinated staff. Yes, yes let's get that right. Yeah. Uh, next, IKEA and Wessex Water have also done it. And to be fair, Morrison's had also already made a statement back in October, which um, sort of covered this but they've clarified their position this week. So the question is, can an employer withhold occupational statutory sick pay? Can they do it? Well, apparently you, you can. Yes. Um, but I, I don't know how that... In, I mean, in certain industries, absolutely no problem at all. But, you know, how dangerous could it get if, you, if your staff were unionised and with the sort of numbers of people affected by having to self-isolate um you know maybe there would there could be enough people to stir up a hornet's nest and and protest in some way yeah i think i think the big question is whether whether it's morally right as much as whether it's legally permissible and yeah, I think that's the tricky bit, isn't it? I think one of the things that really um, is in in the favour of the companies that have made these decisions is they are still paying um, sick pay if the um, employee tests positive for COVID. Yeah. And this is just the issue where if they're unvaccinated, the rules have been slightly yeah. different, haven't yeah. they? So for self-isolation, if you've been vaccinated... And God, I can't keep track of the rules. And by the time this uh, this goes to air, the rules could have changed twenty yeah. times. Yeah. But at one point, if you were vaccinated and you had negative lateral flow tests, you didn't need to self isolate. Yeah. yeah. And so the companies are going, well, actually, you're not doing yourself any favours. You're having to isolate without having actually done anything to reduce the risk of you self-isolated it's very difficult and not least if you start to look at other scenarios where an employer might consider withholding sick pay yeah just um uh, yeah and that's a whole nother um thing that we'll talk about but i think the added thing is you know this whole um they put in that you could self-certificate for sickness for up to 30 days without you know without a need of a doctor's note yeah um so people could just they could just not say that they're having to isolate because they've been in contact with somebody and they happen to have not had the vaccine. To say that they're sick. And just say, I'm not well. Hmm. Again, I'm not, you know, it, there's that whole, you know, what's permissible and what's permissible. But I think that the employer needs to make sure that they stay on the right side of the law. But even when 
even when they're doing that, it depends. I suppose it just depends how many people you've got who haven't been vaccinated and how... I don't know. It's it's a really tricky one. I, because I'm in favour of the vaccine, I find it really difficult to to think that you... That Why wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. But, you but, can't but see the other side of the it's story. It's difficult, yeah. yeah. But, you, but you do, as an employer, you have to be able to look at both sides. Because if the law permits um, you to, to not pay or just pay statutory. And then what I don't understand is, you know, you have with statutory sick pay, you have those waiting days, don't you? It doesn't kick in on day one. Well, they didn't they get rid of those for, for a period oh. for self-isolation? Oh, right, yeah. OK. Oh, <laughs> all right, so that, all right, yeah. yeah. Anyway, but in general, the rule is you can't withhold statutory sick pay if you're entitled to it. So, no, that's, first of all, that is yeah. a given, yeah. statutory sick pay. Yeah. The question is Company whether you pay. can withhold occupational sick pay. And what I would say as well is it also depends on your contract you know what does your contract mm. say um just check that first um you know and, and also what what um what response are you going to get from your workforce you, you need to make sure that it, it you know you're not going to have a backlash and also consistency because yeah you can't say oh well you know johnny's a hard worker you know and it's his it's his kid and blah 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 whereas um, you know, it's Mary and, you know, she's not such a hard worker and all senior management or shop floor staff or where you can manage without them and where you can't manage without them or work from home or not work from home. There's so many other bits yeah. on there. I think that is the, if you're going to run into trouble, you need to make sure that you've applied your rules Rightly or wrongly, if you apply them across the fairly board. across yeah. the board, at least you know you're showing that you've 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 done your best. Because I could have say with the mess that all of these rules have been and the constant changing and the interpretation of what is guidance, yeah. what is a rule, yeah. uh, that that has been left to the employers to interpret to a large extent, including a lot of the the guidance around working. Yeah, you know, and uh, you can't always get it completely right but you can try your best can't you yeah but one thing you mentioned which this has arisen largely because well because of covid and because of the vaccine but actually what if i jump out of an airplane and break my hip i chose to jump out of an airplane i chose to put myself in a vulnerable position so well i looked this up i think it's a really valuable valid and difficult question to answer so again you can't exclude ssp yeah so yeah. You, you have to pay that if they're entitled to ssp and obviously ssp is limited as well so there's a maximum number of weeks and there are waiting days if it's not covid related yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but then you need to look at your terms of employment what's in that contract if you don't say that sick pay is at the company's discretion or that certain extreme activities are excluded you might find it a lot more difficult to not pay sick pay even if you've decided to jump out of an aeroplane right okay so okay. I, ha- I had a look at expert hr i like that website i um i subscribe to it so i find it incredibly useful um, but i also found a really good article um on a website called refreshing law limited 
And the article is from 2015 and the title is simply, Can I Withhold Sick Pay for Staff Sporting Injuries? Which is exactly the question I wanted answered. Right. And it would appear that um, some companies actually anticipate the potential um, for um, sporting injuries and actually exclude them specifically in a contract. Um, and I read in here that some city firms even say that uh, their staff aren't allowed to play rugby because what they don't want is um, these guys coming into work on a Monday morning covered in bruises looking like they've been fighting because it gives the wrong impression to the clients. So I say guys, girls, guys, well. doesn't matter. Yeah. So they're just not allowed to play rugby? Yeah, that's certain firms. And they've put that in the contract and if that's been agreed then... You know, they wouldn't get sick pay on that. But then, say, is there a difference between somebody who um, breaks a leg, running a marathon, riding a horse, riding a bike? And is it extreme? Are they doing an extreme marathon? They've just gone for a jog. Are they riding a horse? Are they doing something particularly dangerous with that horse? If they're riding a bike, are they just riding to and from work? Or are they riding down Snowden on a yes. mountain bike or something? Yeah. So there's a lot of sort of, there's a scale, I guess, I'm looking mm. at. And you need to think as to whether you've made it clear to your employees as to, you know, where they could potentially fall foul of, of that rule. And again, you have to apply it evenly. Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? I mean, I, I mean, if I were to apply for a job and one of the conditions was that I didn't play rugby, it's not going to cause me too much of a problem because I haven't really got any plans to play rugby, <laughs> even if I physically could do it. But, um, but you know, you could you could join a company and the you know even say that you, you, know, you can't do extreme sports, and then five years down the line you get into a bit of a fitness kick and you're like, oh crikey, I can't do that thing. Uh, because it's in my contract, you know, it yeah, so on the impact. So in this article, it also, it asks the question, when does a leisure activity become a sport? Yeah. And so, you know, riding around the park on your bike, yeah. leisure activity, presumably, yeah. sport, and it suggests here that maybe when it becomes competitive or when the level of risk increases. Okay. So high-risk things like skiing, whitewater rafting, cross-country horse riding, those sorts of things. And and it could result in the payment being withdrawn. But I, th I think, you know, th there you've got to use discretion and, and use it fairly. Mm. And then the other thing that the article says, and, and it sort of reiterates what we said when we were talking about not paying for self-isolation, is what signal does that give to the staff if you're not going to pay and does it come across as harsh? Will it put people off wanting to work for the organisation? Yeah, and it, it just depends, doesn't it? So if you're in an industry where a lot of your employees are likely to be semi-professional rugby players, mm. then you might want to encourage them to get some insurance or something yeah. like that to yeah. cover injuries. But it, this goes back to... Um, We've talked in the past about there's a big skill shortage at the moment. Mm. I've been doing some work with a company this week, and they are really struggling to get um, semi-skilled um, machine workers. And if they want, if they try to get one through an agency, it can take them up to a month to six weeks. Yeah. So 
if there's a demand and your policy is not that appealing to somebody, yeah, they might be more likely to, to go it? and go and look somewhere else because it's like, well, okay, it's a seller's market X? at the moment, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Give me another example. I did a, a search for a few um, sick pay schemes and Aberystwyth University, if you're considering working at Aberystwyth University, uh, they've got a special clause in their contract which talks about professional and extreme sports. So they say that um, sick pay is not payable under this scheme in the case of accidents due to active partic- participation in a sport as a profession an extreme sport, or where the absence arises from or is attributable to the employee's own misconduct. So if you were drunk and fell down the stairs and broke your leg, yeah, that's your fault. Yeah. So you're on SSP. Hmm. If you're... What if you're a, a volunteer fireman? Well... Now there, that's the next clause. Secondary employment. So employees are excluded from the scheme if the sickness is due to injury whilst um, working paid or unpaid for another employer. So your fireman, you would be excu- it would be excluded if you're injured. So if you work in a pub uh, to earn a few quid and somebody punches you and you end up concussed, you ain't... If I'm reading this correctly, then no, that would be excluded. Wow. It's, oh, it's a minefield, isn't it? And then you throw COVID into the mix. Yeah. And, then you... and the key here is that the employee will only be entitled to payment under the scheme at the discretion of the university. Mm. And that one sentence means that the university has got a lot of decision-making to do, but it also does make it a lot more flexible. It does, but then you do run that risk of, because your face doesn't fit. You know, my idea of falling down, you know, falling down the stairs drunk, let's not talk about that. Um, but, you know, what, how much did you have to drink? Well, actually, I had a pint and I fell down the stairs. Or I had 13 pints and but I fell down the stairs. how about you fell down the stairs because you failed to repair the loose carpet mm. at the top of your stairs? Is yeah. that misconduct too? Yeah. It's difficult. It's so difficult to make these decisions. And even if it's in the contract, how, how are you going to pin down yeah. every single possible um, scenario that might happen? So, yeah, I, I, I think the result of this discussion is it's a bit difficult, isn't it? But it's, yeah, <laughs> but it's very topical. And I can't help but think, you know, some of these big boys, you know, Morrison's a um, you know, massive employer, um, I can't help but think that... So I think Next have got 40,000 employees. They will have been all over this to check... Well, you would hope they've been all over this to check whether they're laying themselves open for for a disaster. But, uh, yeah, it's... It's very topical, and I think watch this space because it's going to be more of the same. I would say if you're a small employer, it's quite useful that these big employers are actually setting the tone Mm. because if there's going to be any action, it's more likely to be in amongst the the massive amount of employees that are are spread between Next, Ikea, Morrisons, Wessex Water, etc. And then you can follow the lead of of whatever happens in the the court cases. It's not good, though. Not good. No. Right, okay. So our review this week, we reviewed a website last week, didn't we? Yeah. And 
Guess what? We're reviewing a website again this we week. Uh, now, this is one that you found. Yeah. Don't blame me. Well, <laughs> well, it, well it depends what you uh, what you think about it. It's, um, it's founder.com. A founder, no E. A founder. Founder.com. Um, and it's a sort of magazine website, isn't it? It's got all sorts of things. Yeah. It's got articles, podcasts, a magazine, some training resources, um, co- uh, yeah, co- courses, paid for courses, which I guess funds pretty yeah. much everything that they're doing. Yeah. Um, but it's about building a business. Um, having said pays for what they're doing, there is actually a subscription for access to the magazine. Oh, to the magazine itself. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. right, okay. I was looking at the free training versus the paid-for courses. But yeah. it's American, um, but it's not... When I had a look around it, it's not overly American. You know, sometimes yeah. you go, all right, I know that this is an American site, but this doesn't feel like that. And a lot of the articles seem relevant, as relevant to UK business as yeah. they would to American business. Yeah, so. if you can get over the... The American style language and, yeah. and approach, yeah. yeah. The thing I did notice is though that I felt about thirty years too old for it. Right. Tell yeah. me more about that. Uh, maybe twenty, and maybe right. that's just an issue I've got. Um, everybody did seem rather young and beautiful on there. <laughs> They're American. <laughs> but yeah, I agreed. I, I had a look through. Um, it's aimed at. It is actually aimed at young entrepreneurs. So the, it, there's no um, hiding the fact. It says that in, in the description here. It's the ultimate tool and resource for young entrepreneurs. That's what it says. So they're not looking to appeal to you and me, have they? No. However, it is for people who are looking for ideas, looking for a bit of motivation, looking for help to actually start a business. So whereas last week uh, the website was... Full of resources for people who've already got a business, yeah. um, and and that they it tended to be aimed at people who, who were already running a small business. Yeah, yeah. This seems to be focusing on encouraging these young entrepreneurs to start successful businesses, and so there's some really interesting success stories in there that are read of people who'd signed up for um, the trainings and had signed up for um, subscriptions and we're now doing really brilliantly. So there's an awful lot of interesting stuff that's aimed at the young entrepreneur and success stories that go with it as well. But that's still applicable to to anybody. You know, yes, it's aimed at young entrepreneurs, okay. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, start a profitable online store in just 12 weeks. Well, okay. You, know, you can do that in your golden age, can't yeah, you? Yeah, well, and yeah. there will be. I think. I think the articles and the um, you know the videos etc. That they're they're interesting. Mm. I and signed up for some training too. Did you? I did. Right. Okay. Did you complete it or have you? What have you done? What, yeah. No, I listened into it and it was good. So I signed up for um, the free training, which they seem to just um, run through the day. So yeah. um, it, it's got yeah. certain time slots. You sign up for it. I did finance for founders. Set up your business finances the smart way to earn more and keep more of what you make. The only thing that put me off was um, there was a very long sales page 
so I, I got, you know, I've seen a lot of those sorts of sales pages before and think, oh, yeah, what's this leading to? Yeah. But actually, it did just lead to a sign-up page yeah. and then you registered and you could watch the webinar. So it was pretty good. I'm now obviously getting emails to follow up on that because they want to engage you into their community. Mm-hmm. And they're not intrusive. I don't find it too much. So I don't be put off by the long copy on the sales page. It, it There was some good material in the webinar. And, and it, was, um, it wasn't quite an hour long, but there was a woman in there who was an expert on the subject, and Nathan Chan, the uh, founder of Founder, Okay. Um, and and they just were having a discussion, and so I, th- I found it really really good. Um, so it wasn't just um, a sales pitch. So it was more of a conversation that was rather than just listening to one person. Yeah, talk at somebody you. wasn't spouting. It was yeah, a conversation yeah, yeah. between the two. Yeah, which in itself makes it um, makes it easier. But yeah, I mean, I think uh, yeah, you're right. They are all. I mean, are these even these people? <laughs> They're young and beautiful, aren't they? <laughs> well, I'm guessing that's Nathan there because yes. his pictures are all over, over everything. Place. Yes, he's yeah. on the podcast as well, and that's the guy I saw talking. Right, so there is some consistency. Yeah, that is him. So that that was quite good, um, and. Yeah, I think the the podcast is worth listening to as well. So um, it's uh, on all the normal podcast platforms. Uh, founder podcast with Nathan Chan. And there's also from Zero to Founder with Molly Flynn as well. I didn't listen to that one, but they, they interview great founders. And, um, you know, those sorts of things are always quite inspiring to listen to when you hear how other people have made it big. So, yeah, and I think that's pretty good as well. Um, and like I said, there's a lot of stuff that's for free, even if you don't sign up for the magazine, which starts at, and it's not a print magazine, it's an online magazine. Single issue is $4.99, or a monthly subscription is two ninety nine. Uh, yearly subscription, which is marked as the most popular, at $21.99. So if if you have a look around and you see if you like the article, you like the podcast, it might be worth signing up for the magazine as well. But I think you'd need to do a bit of legwork first to see if the articles were, were your cup of tea. Yeah, I th- yes, I think that's probably um, probably true. But lots and lots of information, lots of things. You know, it's almost like just looking at the topics, you think, oh, gosh, is that even a thing that you... You might need to think about, you know, or Facebook ads or... You Are know, you looking at the be. courses now? Yeah. I'm, no, I'm looking at the success stories, oh, actually. Yeah, right. So, you know, somebody who's launched an international online shop to sell a cosmetics brand, you know. Um, somebody's set up a fashion... Here we go. No previous experience in online sales or marketing. 71-year-old Derek... Derek, yay! Fly on the Derek, back yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Um, but yeah, all sorts of different things. Um, it's not just uh, the same old, same old. If yeah. that makes sense. I think they're not, they're nice, um, and it's a well presented website as yeah. well, well curated. Yeah. Um, some of the articles to... as well, so you can access the articles for free. Um, the best business networking apps for you. Time to get serious about sustainable packaging. So you know, obviously, it's relevant at the at the moment. Um, your guide to product packaging design and strategy, uh, when to quit your job and go all in on your side hustle. 
Yeah. Good question. Yeah. Um, how to create a marketing plan in 2022. And this one I, I went and had a look at. I thought, oh, we're always looking for a book to review. 15 best um, businesses, to st- oh, sorry, no, 19 best business and management books. Oh. As recommended by world-class entrepreneurs. I thought, oh, oh I'll go and take a look. And then the world-class entrepreneurs, we're all men. Oh, and like, well, and a list that... They're all all the same old, same yeah, old yeah. there. So these books are recommended by Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, Warren Buffett, and Richard Branson. I was like, oh, okay. And I'm not saying that their recommendations are bad, but I think... We could have had a... One, could have at least had one woman, woman couldn't there? we? Yeah. 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 So there are some female world-class entrepreneurs in there. And there are some... Uh, non-white entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah. But that said, we have been building our own little repertoire of entrepreneurs and and real business people mm. um, through through our podcast. So if you want to find somebody who isn't Jeff Bezos or Steve Jobs, <laughs> we've, we have got quite a few interesting people, haven't we? And not least, the people that we're going to be talking about today. Well, they're all over the news at the moment, aren't they? They are. Just today, I saw an article on businesslive.co.uk, which said, headline, billionaire Issa Brothers weighing up £10 billion as the takeover of Boots. I thought, oh, we're talking about them today. Yes, (laughs) I know. Yeah. Did you see the same article? Well, I certainly saw that when I I Googled them, there are several articles that are like today, yesterday, three days ago... um, yeah, so these these are some brothers. That they're from the north, so I found quite a lot of stuff in the Manchester Evening News. In the fact, north, in Blackburn, from north. <laughs> yeah, well, it is. It is the north, isn't it? Yeah. To specifically Blackburn, specifically Blackburn, Lancashire, Lancashire. Yeah. Uh, but the but the newspaper for that area, the Manchester Evening News, was covering a lot. Have covered lots of stories. So we're talking about the Issa brothers. I guess that's how you say it, Issa, as opposed to Issa. Issa. Yeah. Yeah. Go for Issa. And um, they 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 differ in age by one year, and they were born in Blackburn in the seventies, early seventies, early seventies, and their parents actually moved from Gujarat in India um, to Bradford to work in the textile industry. But they then started running a petrol station. And that's where the fortunes of these two young men started because they decided to transform that petrol station into a shopping destination. And I don't think you have to be very old to to remember the days when you went to the garage to get fuel. Yeah. And if they sold cigarettes and pop, that was a thing. Oh, and at one point, you, you could get like, crappy flowers and some yeah. chocolates. Yeah. And then they started expanding to sandwiches. And, yeah, and now you, you go to a, um, a petrol station and you, you expect everything. It's like a <laughs> yeah. mini supermarket. Well, with... a lot of the destination um, petrol stations do have supermarkets in them, don't yeah. they? Yeah. And so th- this was their um, their baby, I guess. Um, they realised that the profit in the petrol was actually very small, but actually, if they could put in other items that had a higher profit margin on them, they could um, they could 
they could make a lot of money, which they clearly have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a really good story of of people who uh, they they have they are self made. Yeah, that you know their parents didn't own an emerald no. mine. No, um, and 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 they um, immigrants in the sixties, and that you know they, they've become billionaires through actually good business lines yeah. and, and yeah. thinking. So my understanding is that Issa runs the um, sorry Issa <laughs> um, mo- motion. Motion. I'm not sure. So sorry if we got this wrong. You know we're not the best at pronouncing names. Um, he runs the business day to day, while his brother Zuba is responsible for strategy and acquisitions. That's what I understand. And I'm guessing Zuba has been very busy because they've been acquisition crazy over the last few years. And you know they 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 just keep appearing in the news. Uh, you know, at, uh, buying this, buying that, getting involved in this, and you just think, okay, yeah, they they they've already gone places, but I, I don't think their ambitions stop there, do they? No, not at all. They um they started um an organisation with the, their sisters involved, I believe, actually, um, called Euro Garages, or no, now they've they've um, rebranded as EG, but um we you see a lot of one-time independent filling stations either closing down or being taken over by um, Euro garages. And and also I know that there's somewhere that I drive to and I can see they've, they've said this site, and it's not, it's not a filling station yet, this site has been acquired by... by yeah. and the green scientists, yes, you see them around. Yes, bit, don't yeah. They? yeah. So they've sort of picked their way across the country um, and then... The franchises that you see, you know, now you'll have a Subway, you'll have a Starbucks, you'll have a Greggs, you'll have a... You know, there are so many retail opportunities, a Mini Waitrose, a Sainsbury's, you name it. And w- and as you say, we've come to expect that. If you find a, you know, a Gary, or oh, filling station, right, okay. The shop's rubbish. <laughs> what happens <laughs> if all you can buy is petrol? Exactly, yeah. Because actually, a lot of people drop in and pick up a ready meal on their way home or a loaf of bread and a pint of milk is a minimum. So they, I don't know whether they were in the right place at the right time because they also, um, they started emerging as a lot of the oil companies were dumping yeah. their, their, their filling station. So, you know, a Texaco filling station or BP or Shell or whatever. If you think about it now, with the the growth of the electric car market, mm. the, these um, charging points are more destinations. You've got a little bit longer to be there. Yeah. You know, you go and fill up petrol. You might have a you know fill up, take five minutes, nip into the shop and pay, or even pay at the pump. Yeah. But if you're charging your car, you could have half an hour there. Yeah. Yeah. You might as well spend some money while you're there, haven't yeah. you? Yeah, you don't want a, a rubbish coffee out of a vending machine. You actually... and In fact, we've talked about tea-based services in mm. the past, you know, where that is that is a des- that is a destination. Yeah. You know, I can't go to Scotland without factoring in a visit to Tea-Bay. <laughs> and, you know, and there's another one south of Cheltenham, I think. Gloucester, Gloucester services. Yeah. It's Gloucester services. Yeah, there we go. Um, similar type of thing. So that... You know, it's it's not somewhere where you stop off, buy a rubber cheese sandwich and get back in the car. You hang out and spend time there. 
And I, you're right, yeah, with electric charging. We're going to want theme parks on the <laughs> I want, I want to be able to watch a film. Yeah. Oh, I can already do that in my car anyway, but never mind. <laughs> but, yeah, so um, this article today is talking about um, they, um, they've they already um, purchased Asda or, or a good chunk of Asda, and um, they're looking to potentially um, taking over Boots. Uh, and Boots has had some troubles. And not surprisingly, a lot of companies... Quite with quite um, yeah. uh, department stores. Boots yeah. isn't quite a department store, but no. it's a, sort of straddles a department store, yeah. doesn't it? And the yeah. pharmacy, and, and they have been having some problems. Uh, it's currently owned by Walgreens Boots Alliance. We've talked about that previously, yeah. haven't we? Yeah. Um, but they're they're not sure yet. So they're in talks. It's being considered. But uh, yeah, I think if it's a good um, business opportunity for the Issa brothers then, uh, yeah, good luck to them. I found often when we look at, you know, people who've been hugely successful, we are interested in what what good have they done, through, you know, apart from creating jobs, etc. but, you know, yeah. what what have they actually done? And sometimes interested in whether they've got a yacht or what their house is. Yeah, 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 yes, yeah, yeah, yeah the, 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 super, the super yacht. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they actually, um, as part of the government kickstart scheme, They've taken on three hundred Kickstarters, and they um, and they've placed them in um, various um, sites of their food service partners. So they obviously partner with the likes of Greg, Starbucks, KFC, Burger King, and Subway. They own Leon, the restaurant Leon, but they're putting these three hundred people, and they've said they're hoping that a permanent role will be if they've proved themselves. A permanent role will be available. That's so good. to take on three hundred is, you know, not a lot of organisations have been able to do that because they don't have so many multiple locations. Because when you uh, and, and partnerships, so I, I guess watch that this space to see how that actually pans out. But I, w- I wasn't able to find an awful lot of information. But there was some, there has been some criticism about them um, for the handling of their tax affairs. Always oh, in there, always. So you see, billionaire, you know that there's going to be some, shall we say, creative tax creative advice yes, having yeah. been taken. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're allowed to avoid tax. You're not allowed to evade it. Aren't you? Yes, that's right. Yes, but yeah. who makes the laws? Well, God knows <laughs> at the moment on a day like today. Um, but they also um, have come across some criticism in terms of safety standards at a company that they co-owned. But I think that's a, a, a little way in the past. Yeah. But um, um, I, I did read that they'd um, been awarded CBEs, both of them, in the 2020 Birthday Honours List yeah. for services to business and charity. And I did find a small interview that they did um, with Northwest TV or something, and they were talking about um, the, the, the acquisition of Asda. But they seem very much... Um, to be talking about the start that they were given in life by their parents, which, as you've said, wasn't a financial leg up, but it was about hard work, honesty, you know, taking chances. But, you know, those sort of base values, treat people well, Yeah, I mean, it takes courage, doesn't it, to move your family, move from one country to another and then... You know, to create a life for yourself in that country. I think sometimes we underestimate how much courage that will take. So 
But to have parents that have done that, surely are great role models to yeah. say, you know, if they've managed to do that and make a good life for themselves in a completely new country, yeah. then, so then what, can yeah, you, yeah. what can we do? And I, that's a good point, actually, because, um, you know, the idea for most of us of going and living in a different town, like on the other side of the country, you know, where everything is the same except you're in a different location, but to come somewhere where the language, the culture, everything is different. Um, and, you know, I, I, yeah, that's, that is quite a thing. So it's bound to have rubbed off on the suns in some way, shape or form, isn't it? What do we say now? We, we, <laughs> don't. we haven't quite worked out a, uh, an outro, have we? Well, don't we put in a... No, no, because no, that one that we had was... The business community that outro we recorded. Oh yeah. So normally I just finish off with us laughing. We haven't laughed today. Not laughter. Not much laughter. We giggled through most of last week, but that must have been um, anxiety with not having prepped <laughs> either of us. <laughs> Let that be the end of it. <laughs>